In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. We'd increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the Sacrament. Amen. Our first reading this weekend comes from the book of Sirach. As just a refresher, the book of Sirach is named for Jesus ben Sirach, a rabbi of the second century before Christ. The book of Sirach is something like a greatest hits of Jesus ben Sirach's TED Talks, and in this section he tackles the topics of anger, vengeance, and forgiveness. His point is very simple to grasp. Forgive your neighbor's injustice, then when you pray, your own sins will be forgiven. Could anyone nourish anger against another and expect healing from the Lord? We finally have our final passage from St. Paul's letter to the Romans this weekend. If you can believe it, for 14 straight weekends, save for one, we've heard passages from the letter to the Romans as our second reading. And this final one is a doozy. Here's the story. When St. Paul wrote this letter, there seems to have been several debates among the Christians in Rome. The first was this. Could someone in good conscience eat meat, seeing as how it may have been sacrificed to an idol before it was put up for sale? Some people decided the best way to avoid this potential scandal was to channel their inner California hipster and go vegetarian, while others believe they could, in good conscience, continue to eat meat. St. Paul addresses all this in verse 3 of chapter 14, talking about the should we go vegan or not go vegan question. He says, The one who eats must not despise the one who abstains, and the one who abstains must not pass judgment on the one who eats. He follows that up with a question. Who are you to pass judgment on someone else's servant? This is what he will base his argument on. If we are slaves of the Lord, and certain people believe in obedience they are following the command of their master, then how can we pass judgment? He'll say in verse 5, Let everyone be fully persuaded in his own mind. Then St. Paul starts talking about the second issue which must have been hotly debated. It boiled down to observing certain holidays of the year. He says the following, Whoever observes the day, observes it for the Lord. Also, whoever eats, eats for the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. And then that's where our passage begins. None of us lives for oneself, and no one dies for oneself. The proper context of our second reading, then, is that the whole purpose of our life, according to St. Paul, is to live in obedience to our Master, Jesus. Whether we live or we die, We belong to the Lord as a slave belongs to a master. Slaves and masters have a part to play in our gospel passage this weekend as well. It begins when Peter approaches Jesus and asks, Lord, if my brother sins against me, how often must I forgive? As many as seven times? We might think this is a disingenuous limit that Peter is placing upon forgiveness, but there are records of ancient rabbis at the time teaching that the maximum amount of time someone could seek forgiveness was a total of three times. Given this, Peter probably imagined he was being exceedingly generous, over-the-top generous, in suggesting seven times. But Jesus counters this by saying Peter needs to think in even greater terms. Some translations say that Jesus says 70 times seven times, while others say 77 times. We don't know which of the two numbers Jesus actually said, because there's the possibility of both in the translation. And truth be told, it really doesn't matter. Whether it's 77 times or 490 times, Jesus intends a hyperbole here. If we're actually counting up to 77, we're missing the point. 
To further illustrate this point, Jesus tells a parable. When we hear this parable at Mass, our translation doesn't do nearly enough justice to the currency involved. Brought into modern English, our translation reads that one debtor owed, quote, a huge amount, while the other owed, quote, a much smaller amount. But let's get specific here. The first man in debt owed his master myriad talents in Greek. There's all different sorts of estimations to bring this currency into modern day, but two talents were roughly equivalent to all the money a day laborer would earn in his entire life. Meanwhile, the word myriad, which we've discussed before on the show, is equal to 10,000 and was also the highest conceivable number in Greek. So what we have then is a ridiculously large amount, 10,000 talents. This is so ridiculous, in fact, that according to one historian, the total amount of tax income generated by Herod the Great in a calendar year was roughly 900 talents. Multiply that by over 10 years and you get your 10,000 talents. But compare this with the second debt, the much smaller amount, as it's described. This is 10,000 drachma, something estimated to be about 100 days' wages. While still a lot of money, it is no doubt something that someone could legitimately pay back. The parable then helps to demonstrate the outlandish nature of the first servant demanding his money back from the second servant after he had been forgiven such a crazy large amount. It all illustrates for us that the debt each of us owes to God because of our sins is exceedingly massive, yet the possibility of having it all forgiven is freely given. How can we not do the same to others? So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this 24th Sunday in Ordinary Time in Year A. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.